I shan't, Edwin said, looking up at Bryony stubbornly. She sighed and bent down to tie her charge's laces for him. He glowered down at her, his arms crossed as he fidgeted his feet every time she tried to grab a firm hold. Edwin, I know you miss your mama and papa, but making both our lives more difficult will not bring them home any more quickly, she said, looking up at him, praying that for once he would accept that he couldn't win his own way. I cannot bring them home, nor can Mr. Bailey, nor Mrs. Dalton. He winced a little as she spoke of the elderly butler and the kindly housekeeper. Yes, I know you have been a menace for them, too, and if I ever hear of you spilling the ashes from the nursery fire all over the front parlor, or anything equally ill-natured again, I shall have to inform your parents, and I doubt they will be pleased. Edwin did at least have the decency to look chagrined, but he was clearly still determined not to cooperate. You cannot keep making work for everyone else. They have enough to do, Bryony said, getting to her feet. Now, if you will not put on your boots and your coat and assist me with the shopping, then I shall go to the park alone today, and I shall cancel your birthday party tomorrow, too. You wouldn't, he exclaimed, his face quickly changing to a look of horror. Oh, but I would. A big boy like you, only a day from your tenth birthday, is more than capable of tying his own laces and of understanding that his actions have consequences. She turned, pulled on her own hat and coat, and made to leave the house. Edwin grabbed her hand. She turned round and tried her best to keep a stern look upon her face. I'll be good, he whispered, and bent down, fumbling with his boots. She watched as he carefully pulled his boots tight and then tied the laces in a neat bow. Deep in concentration, his little tongue poked out the side of his mouth. She wanted to smile, but knew she could not. He stood back up, his little back straight as he awaited her appraisal. See, she said, you can do it. And before we go, you will apologize to Mrs. Dalton and to Alice, who had to clean up the mess you left behind. Bryony kept her tone firm. He nodded. Bryony was new to being a nanny. She usually worked in the kitchens, assisting Mrs. Wilson, who was the finest cook in Baltimore. But the unexpected departure of Nanny Purvis, just a day after Mr. and Mrs. Haverthwaite had left to go to New York for a month, had meant she'd been forced to step into a role she was ill-equipped and utterly inexperienced to undertake. She was more used to indulging young Edwin than punishing him and holding him to account, and it was taking every effort to maintain a firm hand. But, he tailed off, looking sheepish. No buts. Run along now and find them. She sighed with relief as he rushed towards the back stairs. Maybe there was hope for him yet, and for her, too. She followed him at a more sedate pace and was heartened to see him give Mrs. Dalton and Alice a genuine apology. 
He could be a menace, but he had a generous spirit. He was simply lonely and did not understand why his parents continually disappeared from his life. If only they could find a nanny for him that would be consistent, give him the stability they could not. But he had already had four different guardians this year, and it was still only May. Well done, she said as he ran to her side, his face beaming with pride. But you must remember to mean what you say. An apology is no good unless you do your very best to make sure you never do such a thing again. I know, Briny. Sorry, Miss Shaw, he corrected himself. It must be so confusing for him that one day she was just Bryony, the kitchen girl, and then the next she was his nanny and guardian. She put her arm around his shoulder and guided him back upstairs and out the door.